Welcome back to Bowls with the Bard. My name is Cakes, I am your host. Today we are talking to Bella Grace Harris. Bella is a blob in the shape of a woman newly based out of Boston. In their spare time, they like to collage, lie in bed, and decorate for Halloween. Bella's bat mitzvah party was in 2009. It was at a bowling alley and at it, she wore three different dresses. A few recent acting credits of Bella's include originating the role of Stacy in the premiere of Motherfucking Girl Scouts, The Nurse in Romeo and Juliet, and Don Pedro in Much Ado About Nothing. Bella is here with us today to talk about how the Shakespeare theater industry can do better by Jewish communities. I am absolutely thrilled to share our conversation with you, but first, Bella and I got a little high. y'all we are back talking about the plague with bella harris bella what were some of the highlights of your quarantines uh well i i felt really lucky that i wasn't in school uh so i didn't really have any school but I, as a consequence i didn't really have much structure um but i did get to do some uh cool projects uh every now and again. I got to work with my friend's company that she started called Burrowing Artists. And it was about connecting playwrights and actors together so that they could write um, something based around the actor, which was really exciting. So I got paired with a fabulous director, actor, writer named Molly Rose Heller. And she wrote for me a monologue that I got to record and perform uh, that was really very much based around who I am as a person as uh, we just talked for a little bit and I got to talking about my grandmother who was an actress and a writer and star of the stage and screen and the big screen and the small screen and was a fabulous, wonderful human. And uh, we were very connected as like human beings. Like I was taking, <laughs> when I was 16 and she was like 80 something, we were taking the same dosage of Lexapro. So if that tells, <laughs> so if that tells you anything about um, the chemical connection, then that's it. And she passed away on my first day of school at NYU uh in 2015 and so we were talking about how i <laughs> i i sort of came out after that i'm queer non-binary blah 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 and we were talking about how it's weird that someone who knew me so well and like a fundamental level doesn't know these huge parts of me or i wondering if like maybe she knew had a feeling or anything like that. So she wrote a monologue for me about being conceptually like stuck in Poland because I was I was on a trip to Poland to like visit her grandparents graves or whatever and like come out to them. Uh, but now I'm stuck in Poland because it's quarantine because there's there's a pandemic. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's it's really cool. It's like an eight minute monologue, but it's really great. And 
it was really fun to do. And so I'm really proud of that work that I got to do. Wow. What a like special way to connect with the material you're getting to work on. Like, holy cow, that sounds like such a fun opportunity. (laughs) It was really fun. I'm really grateful that I, that somehow me and Taylor ended up in the same circles so she could include me in that project and uh yeah so I I did that I did a couple of little like cabaret fundraisers I did a play in October about a a woman who had an abortion and I was that woman and uh so that was heavy but um you know I did voice lessons I did a couple of original plays that not my original plays but like new plays yeah so that's what i did over quarantine i also smoked a lot um ditto a vibe (laughs) and i I took care of my pet rats who i had just adopted (gasps) january 2020 they passed away about two months ago so as i miss them very dearly but i'm very lucky that i got them when i did because they gave me a structure to do at least because I was like at least for one hour a day I have to I have to hang out with them I have to play with them I have to feed them blah 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 and then once a week I have to clean their cage and do their laundry and whatever but yeah I they were so special oh I love that so much I had rats growing up and they're wonderful pets people don't understand they don't understand they don't understand here wait hold on I'm gonna show you I have I have a pillow. Oh, they're so cute. My mom made this for me after they passed. Um, uh, and there's they are they're they're cuddling together. That's so sweet. Yeah. They're sis. They were sisters. Their names are Sonia and Natasha. Yes. <laughs> Sonia and Natasha. I would name Natasha because her white coat reminds me of Natasha's coat in Great Comedy. Okay. okay. And I thought they would be good for. I, I thought they would be a good name pairing and they were wonderful I could talk about them for forever and ever but you know oh I love that I'm I'm glad you had some new companions for quarantines I I know my dog got me got me through it yeah yeah. I I feel very lucky the the timing worked out that I adopted them two months before the pandemic happened and it and I'm sure you feel, I don't know how long you've had your dog, but the in, insane amount of thankfulness for each other. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, just like any pet, I feel like you don't realize you can connect with, with the small ones just as much as the big ones. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they were, they were people, they knew, they knew me, they knew their names, they knew how to spin. They were very smart um that's amazing and they had their own personalities they were they were different from one another but they they were sisters through and through and and Sonia passed away first and Natasha passed away a week later because she couldn't oh yeah that happens a lot yeah it was sad but but luckily well not so luckily um Sonia passed away the day after my apprenticeship at CSC finished so she she like knew and I was I had them here I was staying at a sublet I wasn't staying in the dorms and uh so I buried her in the backyard of my sublet Aww. and then now um like about a month and a half later I moved back to the same neighborhood 
because I was in New York for a bit and now I live in Boston. I'm in Jamaica Plain. And so I got to um, bury Natasha's remains where I buried Sonia. That's so nice. Yeah. Aww. That's I know it, it doesn't matter to them, it, but, you know, funeral rites are for the living. They're not for the dead. Yes, I was going to say, you know, that's all that matters. I did read <laughs> The Fault in Our Stars in 2012. <laughs> <I did. laughs> Didn't we all? My God. <laughs> I read it multiple times. It was, And it's still very good. I don't know why people hate on it so much. And it, him, it's... I, it's I think so- it's because of the movie because I think the book's great but yeah yeah, yeah. the movie yeah it, the book is great yeah yeah so moving forward from these rotten quarantine times and still somewhat living in a plague um I feel like we have taken some steps toward like finding a more equitable version of producing Shakespeare but mm-hmm. those steps have been small and few and far between right so with you I'm interested in knowing like where are we falling short with the Jewish community and and how can we do better by them right thank you for asking (laughs) I obviously can't speak for for all Jews because you know Judaism is a is an ethno religion there are lots of different factions but speaking as from my perspective of Judaism, which is from the Ashkenazi faction of Jews, I would say like the question that I've been getting a lot from like people in the industry and like even like my family who are like lawyers, but they're in the industry (laughs) uh, tangentially. And they ask me like, so what should happen with Jewish parts? Should they always only be played by Jewish people? Does that include like Patti Lapone and Nathan Lane, like some of the great actors that we love who play Jewish characters so well, but they're not Jewish. Um, and usually my answer to that is obviously that it's complicated, but because Judaism is an ethno religion, it would be preferable for someone of Jewish descent or heritage, or if they converted to Judaism, if if they have Judaism within their family systems, within their life, I think that they should be playing Jewish parts because it's like with any other globe. I don't know if Judaism is part of the global majority. I think it's not because it's massive. It's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, but with other um, marginalized groups, there isn't a shortage of them in the in the theater industry, period. There are so many of us. And if you're doing a production of Fiddler on the Roof, perhaps you should hire some Jewish people to do Fiddler on the Roof. Because, I mean, as much as actors get to use their imaginations, and that's part of what makes it so fun, there is a certain kind of depth that comes from being a part of that culture that cannot be researched. It has to be lived. It's in your blood um, or in your in your soul, rather not not necessarily your blood. But yeah, I think like we love to think that anyone can play anyone and that that's like, quote unquote, the job of the actor to be able to span whatever range. But I think there's something to be said for being able to play a part accurately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's experience missing that I think keeps 
anybody who is not involved in whatever ethnicity is being portrayed mm-hmm. you you just can't yeah can't do that yeah and then there's the trickiness of if there's someone not of that heritage playing that part especially jewish parts because a lot of jewish parts in media happen to fall to like like the the villain the greedy person the we don't use this term anymore but like the jappy girl or whatever mm-hmm. and if you're not if you're not of that heritage then it becomes sort of like a caricature and a an exaggeration and it can be like can almost be like a joke because they're approximating from what they've seen like if i'm playing yenta in in fiddler i can put on all of those like yiddishisms and like the like a vault, blah, blah, blah. Uh, because I I have my family that that they do say that. <laughs> they do do that. Um, my grandmother, my bubby, she spoke Yiddish, um, and um, I never got to learn from her. But I tried to I tried to do Duolingo Yiddish for a bit, but I lost focus. But I'm gonna get back into it. I know I'm gonna do it one day. Um, yeah, it becomes it it becomes a caricature, and that that makes me sad. Yeah, yeah, I think that kind of gets into, I feel like, the biggest problem play that you can talk about when it comes to Judaism, which is like Merchant and Shylock and Uh how he is just written that way. Like, it's kind of hard to to take it out of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that is true. And uh I will admit I'm not massively familiar with Merchant of Venice, but I have seen one of my peers in my CSC group in my cast. He played the friar. His name is Noah Lee Weekend. And uh, he, his monologue that he was working on for the semester was one of Shylock's monologues. And he's a Jewish, he's a Jewish man. And it was not a comedy by any means. Uh, it was all about like, you call me dog, you you spit on my beard and and now you're asking me for money like it's not it was not a comedy by any means and i could see the work that he did in there and i would be curious to see what would happen if that were played within the context of the show so yeah yeah i have been fortunate enough to see it played that way mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting. I, I feel like it kind of goes back to what you said at the beginning of the conversation, which is like, everybody is different. So everybody's going to feel differently about it. But I feel like it's very effective to take the comedy away from it. Um, it mm-hmm. just then toes a, a, a delicate line of like, exploiting trauma and that can be really hard to watch too so it yeah i feel like it it just depends it, on the person yeah and it can be dangerous depending on who is in charge of working that i um i feel very lucky with the resources that i've gotten because i've been in i've been in trauma therapy for the past few years um so i have really tried to come at my acting process without exploiting my own trauma and things like that, which is difficult because I started out at the Lee Strasberg studio at 
NYU, which does the method. And the method works for some people, for some people. And it, I do value the tools that I learned there and the, the professors I had. Um, and I do recognize that my instrument as someone who has experienced long periods of trauma in their life, it is not safe for me to utilize some of those techniques. And I think that applies to more people than we think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, And I think we're starting to have that conversation a little bit more frequently. Yeah. yeah. They're definitely doing that at CSC because they, I mean, the first thing they said to us on the day of that the program began was some of you may come from like programs where you feel like you have to sacrifice parts of yourself and you have to like come to class sick or sad or everything is bad. And um, you may feel like you may be coming from those programs. We are not one of those programs. We're a joy-based program. We're a joy-based program. We want you to be able to explore this as an art form without harming yourself because that first of all it harms you as a human being and second of all it affects your longevity as an actor because if you're going into a rehearsal room or an audition and you are like stabbing yourself in the face metaphorically every time there's not going to be much face left in a few years gonna be all scars and you're gonna have to heal for a really long time what are you gonna do not do art so yeah yeah they obviously didn't use the stabbing in the face image that's just what came out in my head no but like that's very poignant (laughs) i think i think you said that very well um you're you're welcome speaking i think of coming at things from from joy or even just from different perspectives uh beyond talking about motion uh are there other like plays or characters in the canon that you are interested in seeing performed with like a jewish influence or perspective um you know we were chatting about midsummer earlier and i feel like it would be really interesting to place midsummer in like in like a shtetl Okay. And have everyone be people in the shtetl. <laughs> the papas, and the mothers and the daughters. Uh, I mean, the daughters and the sons. And it's, uh, I feel like that could be really interesting because also there is a big tradition of um, mystical thinking and magic and folk magic in Judaism, which isn't talked about very often because of um, the anti-Semitism we've experienced because a lot of it is like devil worship. They have horns. They're drinking children's blood, blood libel. And all of those are like magically inclined things. So any sort of traditional folk magic done in Judaism is, has historically been kept very secret. But with the resurgence of like witchery in the popular culture of the past few years, I've been learning a lot more of it, and and it's very interesting to me. Uh, I, of course, I don't know if I believe in believe in it, but that's the most Jewish thing of all to like be like, I don't believe in God, and God's like, okay, cool, let's talk about it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Question everything. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, like, sure, I have like I have an evil eye thing in my room, and I have, 
I have salt and whatever. I, I have a mezuzah on my door. That's that's a magic thing. It's having a an amulet for protection, things like that. So anyway, that kind of magic could transfer over into midsummer because of the magic, folk magic traditions in Judaism. I feel like that could be really interesting. Um, yeah, that's my first, that's my big thought. I love that, especially because you're totally right. I had no idea there was any sort of like magic mysticism stuff <laughs> going on in Judaism. And I feel like, A, that's a, a really cool way to celebrate it, but B, it's also a cool way to educate people and let people know that it exists at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, amazing. Yeah. And like the... <laughs> The rude mechanicals could be like the group at the like the group at the Jewish center that like like the vol the theater production put on by the the Jewish center of like you know uh, retired people. Yes, in our show together, <laughs> um, that would be so cute. And like your my laptop that you're sitting you're sitting on a pile of books, and one of the books is um, my encyclopedia of Jewish myth, magic, and mysticism. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> That's super cool. Well, before we wrap things up, do you have anything else that you would like to add? I mean, I think I said the majority of it, but I do think it's, it is important to note that um, for me as like a, as a person who was socialized as a woman, I, I have been heavily placed in like, mother roles, wacky stepmothers. And that is also a thing based in like in Jewish stereotype mm. of like they're the women are moms. And like and they're loud and they're silly and they're and they're um and they're evil, like Mother Gothel and mm. Tangled and everything, Rapunzel. And that people should know that also that be, that comes from stereotype as well. And like not for not, because I do play those roles very well. <laughs> but that also doesn't mean that people who looked like look like me or looked like me when I was in school and things like that should always be considered for those parts because maybe I could have been like a great Juliet in high mm -hmm. school. Maybe I could have been a great Helena in high school, but I really didn't get the opportunity to do that because they, people were just like, oh, Bella's perfect for the nurse, which I am, sure. Yes, I am. It's true. Um, Bella's perfect for Catania, whatever. But be it is more creative. <laughs> have, yeah. have a little bit of a wider imagination. I know that I know that we don't necessarily always have time in the theater world to have a massive imagination, especially in casting, but it's important to go to that effort now that people are pointing it out. Yeah, it I agree. It long ago, but it should be a consideration. Yeah. I think that is an excellent place for us to wrap up. Bella, right. thank you so much for coming on the show. Sure. I really appreciate getting the chance to meet you through doing this. You this are a fun. delight. Thank you. This was so fun. I'm of course. Really this. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I had a lot of fun as well. So that is all from us today. Thanks, y'all. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Bella and Bulls with the Bard at the handles either on your screen or in the description. 
If you haven't already, please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps the podcast so, so much. And tune in next week as we talk with Joan Robb Wilson about how the Shakespeare industry can do better by plus-sized individuals. Until then, bye, y'all. A thousand, thousand sides to save, oh, lay me where sad true lover never find my grave to weep there.